All of a sudden, I just saw this older, tired person that I'd never had time to see looking back at me. I'm the mother of all these kids, and I'm so proud of that, but who am I really? I would absolutely love to hear about your personal journey, where you're from, childhood, a little bit about you. Oh, boy. That's 61 years of a lot. <laughs> so start, Take your time. Starting, I mean, I'm always curious. So I always like to learn and I like to hear about people. And as a young girl, my father was an attache in Washington, so exposed to a lot of interesting people and politics and as a Canadian, though. So I was mm. always part of something, but not part of something. That community was always important to me. And knowing what it feels like to be the outsider within a community was always something that I knew because I was a Canadian living in U.S. And uh, I moved there during Vietnam. I lived through Reagan. I mean, I lived there for a long time and uh, came to Canada, went back to Canada, met my husband as a teenager. Before I met my husband, I was very uh, curious, met lots of people, knew lots of people, had lots of friends, mm -hmm. loved fashion. I always had a job of some sort because I wanted more. I just always, you know, wanted more. So I started babysitting because I loved children and it was an easy way to make money at uh, about 11. I got my first job at 16. I was modeling at 15, but I'm not tall like you. So in my generation, it was like your boobs aren't big enough, your hips are wider. My proportions weren't quite right, mm. of course. So I felt a bit of a body thing going on there that I didn't fit in quite well. And then I also felt intimidated by a lot of the men in the profession, which you probably know at that time, and I didn't like that. And then the curiosity in me thought, I care more about people than fashion. So I went to university and got a degree in psychology. So that mm. sort of changed my path, but I still always loved fashion and uh, makeup and just making people feel beautiful and feeling beautiful myself, mm -hmm. the whole package. It really wasn't about what can I have next. It was really about just feeling good in my skin and being with people that felt the same way. Which feels like you're doing exactly that now. Yeah, I guess that's why so I'm kind of branching out to say that it's like I've had all these lives, but yet mm -hmm. it all sort of came to a head in the last, you know, few years when it, I put it all together, the puzzles coming together. How did it come together? Like, how did social media enter into your oh, life? Oh, goodness. Well, I would say that there was a segue from my work, and I was very interested in aging people as I got into my psychology and my universities. So I was studying gerontology, physical fitness, and health, and that's what my uh, undergrad was in, and uh, I became a mom. Mm -hmm. And it was during a time, you know, yes, women were working, but I came from a family where my mother was a stay-at-home mom and my husband's mother was a stay-at-home mom. So that was my path. And because I'm a perfectionist, it became about being the perfect mom or having, and I wouldn't say that I, I put any thought into that. It just was devoting my heart. That was the landscape. That was the landscape. Right. Just to do it, it was from my heart. I love my children. I loved the time. It was magical. I, it was a bit of a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate. When they were gone, there was this big emptiness and this sensation of, okay, I've gotten them from A to B. Now, where am I going here? There was a loneliness that came with that. I didn't want to shop and go for lunch and play golf and do all those things. Fitness has always been 
part of my life. Mm-hmm. Health food has always been a part of my life. So that was a given, but it was more that empty space after that was done, the workout was done, the groceries were done, the meals were made. My daughter was doing a um, Instagram. She said, you got to get on Instagram just to see what I'm doing on Instagram. So I got oh, so in. you can follow her. Yeah. Okay. So I did that. <laughs> I loved her page and it kept us together. My kids were in school in US, so I was in Canada and it kept me connected to my kids. And then somewhere in that, people started talking to me and I started talking the way I always talked, you know, oh, mm-hmm. I got my shirt here or I got my makeup there or this is what I do and I work out and I eat and, you know, I just shared my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the niche or not the niche, but the need, the I need. guess, the yeah. need that that I have mm. for community, that need to be needed. And I think we live in a world where there's so much go, 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 yeah. but there's not enough time for the downtime. And I was fortunate, like I said, in my parenting to have that downtime. Mm-hmm. So many of us aren't. And at the same time, during that downtime for me, I did forget about things that I was passionate about because I put those things on hold for my kids. But I feel like back then, like now, there's definitely a bigger aspect of feeling like you're missing out or that you don't really, you know, more conversation about losing your identity in a yeah. way during motherhood. Yeah. But back then, like you mentioned, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a conversation. No. It's like, this is something I got to do. I got to raise these children. Yeah. And there's no more That's right. space for anything That's else. That's right. But did you know that you will have to pick up once they're gone or you didn't think about it at all? I didn't think about it at all. And I think that's the beauty of where I was during that phase because there were times that I'd look in the mirror and go, oh my God, who is that looking at me? You know, I'm tired, my hair was frazzled or whatever and put the makeup on in the beginning of the day, didn't look at myself till the end of the day. But the joy that I got out of that day or whatever was worth whatever time Mm -hmm. that was, I never thought I was missing out on anything. And I had friends that were more social or friends that were rising in their careers, but it just felt like the right thing to do. And I never saw it as a sacrifice. It just Mm. was what I had to do. When I was a young mom, I had an older mom that had five children, I think she had, and they were older than my children. And she said, it's all about a frame of mind. And that stuck with me. And she said... We sacrifice this for our kids or give this time up for our kids, but in the end, we're doing what we did when we were pregnant. When we're pregnant, we nourish our bodies for our babies. Mm -hmm. When we have them, it's our responsibility to nourish them, educate them, feed them, and keep helping them flourish. It's not just about us. So that became my mission, give them healthy food, healthy examples, listen, talk, you know, all the things that you do as a mom. And yeah, I never thought twice I never felt like I was missing out when I and saw the world. You have going four on. kids. Four. How old are they now? My oldest is 38. You could wow. be my daughter. <laughs> my oldest is 38. My next one is almost 35, 32, and 28. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I often think about, and sometimes my husband is like you tend to romanticize the past because I do. Uh, because even listening to your story, I'm thinking, wow, I can only imagine how light motherhood could feel like if I didn't, I wasn't exposed to all of these possibilities. Mm -hmm. On one hand, you know, we are able to do so many things. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you're able to do so many things that you kind of lose the present moment and looking at what's, you know, the most important. And 
I always wonder if I would have enjoyed motherhood at a time where I didn't have all these wants and needs and my own aspirations. I love following you mm. because I see myself in so many of the little things that you do, your children, your interaction, your smiles, your giggles, your kids' little tricks and whatever I see, I see things that, of course, I don't even have on camera because we don't, we didn't have cameras. We did have cameras, but there was no time for that within the chaos. And no matter what you're doing, your mm -hmm. life is busy. So we didn't have maybe the social media and the demands of society, but we had other responsibilities in our life that mm -hmm. we have to get them to the dance class. We have to get them to school on time. We have to buy them clothes or buy them school supplies, all the things that we went into our day. You guys have more. It's a huge taxing thing. And I think also you also have Instagram to show you, I think you were talking about it this morning, mm -hmm. that uh, perfect look and then the reality, you mm -hmm. know, and, and we do mesh both. It's not all a fairy tale. Right. You know, my life wasn't totally a fairy tale. The good news is as you get older, you remember the better feels because that's what you miss. You don't miss the not so good days or the chaotic days when yeah. everybody's frazzled and can't find Mm -hmm. a craft or something that's so important. Social media, and I think that just the the demand for wanting more has become so crazy with young mm. people. And, and we didn't have that. I mean, of course, we wanted nice things. So if I started my family in my early 20s, just like you, um, by my 30s, I was too busy with the kids and the dog and the house. And the, mm -hmm. we had two houses. And that juggle that I didn't have time to think about the purse that I needed or what was on trend because I was lucky if I, well, I, I made it a point. I was going to say I was lucky if I got dressed, <laughs> but I never, never wore pajamas all day. It was never my thing because right. putting on my outfit for the day meant I was ready for my day. It was just mm. a mindset. When I found you on social media, I was on a quest. I was kind of going through a point where I was looking at my algorithm. I was looking what was served to me. And because this is my job, I'm very aware that, you know, all of this is very programmed. And yeah. I have to make sure that I don't let that control my life and I still dictate what is presented to yes. me. So I was at a place where I see all these beautiful, young, successful, wonderful women mm -hmm. talking about things that my age, right? Talking about things that I'm like, you cannot have this conviction in what you're saying at mm -hmm. our age. We mm -hmm. haven't gone through enough. Mm -hmm. We haven't mm -hmm. done enough to mm -hmm. understand. Mm -hmm. And also visually, I'm just like, that's all I see. Mm -hmm. And I want to start kind of building better relationship with aging, start seeing women that are out there, that are more mm -hmm. mature, that have gone through life, that can share certain things that I haven't realized or experienced yet. Right. Because I know that will be very helpful for the woman that I will be in 10, 20, yes. 30 years. Yes. So I found you on social media. And just like you mentioned to me, I connected with you because I saw, you know, that kind of resonated with the kids and the family life and who you are. I very much resonated with your essence. There's something about you, you. Yeah. that's <laughs> just so young and wonderful and graceful. I remember I was looking through a profile and I'm like, wow, like she's on a mission. And I don't think you realize that you're on a mission. I was told not to write a caption so long that that was going to affect my algorithms, that I talk too much. 
And I thought, well, my face is my face, but what I'm saying here is me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I always tried to give a tidbit of my reality. There's a person in this mm-hmm. frame and and share the story because I think that that's what we're all looking for, right? We're all looking for this community, as I said, and and young and old. We're all dealing with that. So I wanted to put that out there. So that became my mission but also to connect with all these women. Because if I'm feeling this way and you're feeling this way, mm-hmm. many people out there are feeling this way. And uh, and we're strong, tough survivors. You know, we're not just soft, pretty little girls that like to play with makeup. Mm-hmm. There's so much more. I felt the need to expose my audience that are mainly younger women to older women on social media because it used to be that way. We used to be in a community physically that has the grandmothers and the great-grandmothers yes. and the mothers. Yes. And we used to all sit together and there was guidance, there was support. Yeah. We don't have that anymore. No. Especially because now with the amount of progress we've made in the past decade, I would say, even with technology, I feel like it really separated the generations mm-hmm. because so many kids today can look at their parents and be like, you don't know what you're talking about because how can they keep up with all of yeah, this? No, it's hard. <laughs> right? So it creates yeah. even more separation. For sure. Where in reality, a lot of the things that we go through um, or my kids go through, it might look different, but the essence is kind is of the, the same. same. Yeah. There's such a need to promote this intergenerational connection. Absolutely. Right? Of yeah. finding this communities that we can bring together um, online or in person um, that can really support because I feel that we are probably the most lost we've ever been nowadays. As a world? As a world and as women actually. As women. As women as well. Because again, although we have all these possibilities, it actually kind of throws us in all these different directions. Absolutely. And we're still trying to keep what the traditional right. life well, used to look like. And I think that that's why at this stage of my life, I'm making a change mm-hmm. because I dedicated that chunk of time to my family and I would not change it for the world. I sort of felt like I was saving them from the wolves for a while, mm-hmm. you know, preserve their innocence while I can and hopefully help them become morally good people that would contribute or whatever I was thinking. I don't really know. But I think now, as women, whether you choose to have a family or not, is your choice. There are women that are crazy about kids. I was. There are women that like kids, but it's not in them. They're not maternal. They don't really want children. And that's okay, too. I actually have connected with a lot of women that are single, that have never been married, that have incredibly powerful careers, and I am falling in love with them because it's what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what they are all about. I want to know what made them passionate. And it's letting go of the judgment of what women are Mm -hmm. and learning from each other that help may help open things up a little bit. And that goes on both sides. I mean, maybe that also comes with wisdom. The older we get, the more we can sit in a room with anybody and carry on a conversation because we're not intimidated by anybody because we're all getting old. Mm. You know, we have to let go of that ego and realize that it's just an ego. 
ego will hold us back from the fun that we can have in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. That playfulness that mm -hmm. we definitely need to keep as we get older. As you started getting older, because that's something that we talk a lot, and I asked my mom too, I would talk a lot mm -hmm. with my friends about, a lot of women experience this, you wake up one day, look in the mirror, and you're not 27 anymore. <laughs> oh, that happened. <laughs> At what point did it happen for you? I would say it was about 41, and this is something I've thought about a lot because it just keeps coming back. Um, I might not have been. My son went to university. You know, you'll feel it when yours does, and it felt like somebody cut off my arms. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do with my day. I don't want to get emotional. I had three children at home, and my youngest was only 10, or not even. I can't remember now. Anyways, she was young, so I had a lot of years left with three kids at home, with him gone. But it felt like something was really missing, this large presence in my home. And I just remember looking, maybe it was after the next one went to university. It's like, wow. And then I saw myself in the mirror and she thought, she looks really angry. <laughs> she looks really unhappy. Where did those wrinkles come from? You know, like I saw things that my hair, you know, I, I, I went gray early. I was dying it. I didn't like the color. Like all of a sudden I just saw this older, tired person that I'd never had time to see looking back at me. And I got into yoga. I was running marathons at the time. I stopped running as much. I just started being aware that I needed to take care of my skin, which mm -hmm. I hadn't been doing the same because society didn't think of skin the same way before that. And uh, yeah, it was a real epiphany that it's like, okay, now you might have a minute to take care of yourself, to catch up on some things, to, to soften a little bit, you know. And that's the thing. I feel like there's a term aging gracefully, and I was sitting with it this morning a little bit. And I'm like, is there such a thing as aging gracefully? Because I feel like this change, this season, it happens with grace. I, I guess you can go through it with grace, but it's, I don't know, it feels like a hard It's all hard. Change, you know? It, you know? It, life, life is hard for everybody. We all suffer in some way. There's always stuff. I, I would say with aging, the hardest thing is loss, you know? Mm. So the older you get, you lose people. And even when you're young, you go through tragedies and you lose people. Those are all those reminders or those roadblocks that sort of, oh my God, how am I going to get on after that happens? And, you know, I've had my share of losses that I don't really share necessarily publicly. And all of those things have been stopping points for me to become more aware of what my purpose is and, and do I want more in my life? Then I think once I get through the loss or the immediate feeling of that loss, I think, yes, I do. I'm ready for more. But I think when we go through loss, we tend to isolate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Family becomes the most important thing rather than the bigger picture of the world. And our families are all growing and they all need the world. So mm -hmm. we need to continue to grow, if that makes any sense. You yeah. know, we need to... Uh, that's, that's a really interesting point because I did have a question about loss. And I think that it happens, obviously, as you age more. And not just loss, but I mean, physical, like a death, but even loss of friendships, loss absolutely. of, you know, relationship with yeah. people that matter to you at some point. How do you learn to process that? This too shall pass. People come into our lives for a purpose, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. Things that we go through, I like to believe are for a reason, whether it's good or bad. And I believe that with tragedy or with any loss of a friendship, loss of experiences that we have with friends, we need to look at it as, 
as a lesson for the better almost. And I hate to say that because I know with tragedy, it's hard to explain certain things mm. that happen, but I think you still have to find faith of some sort to move through it to get to a better place because otherwise everything that we go through just sucks us back into that right. stay in bed mode. I would love to um, ask one more question yeah. and because I know you have lost your mother yes. this year. Yeah. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. And to me, that's honestly one of the scariest things. Oh, it's terrifying. With <laughs> aging, like I'm getting older. Um, obviously, there's the beautiful things of seeing your children grow, but then you're also seeing your parents age and, mm -hmm. you know, that to me, I don't know how to sit with that and how to accept that. Is that something you started thinking about? No, I guess, all? you know, I think we always think our parents are going to be there forever. Mm. And they're a presence in our lives. You call them every morning or you don't call them because you're busy, you know. And I think in our busy world, I think that that's where we forget the importance of you know, checking in occasionally, that mother sitting at home going, eh, are they ever going to call me? You know, no. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, a mother always needs her children. We need more. Our parents need more. Mm -hmm. Our parents need to have a life as well. But uh, I don't think you ever really realize until it it happens. My sister shared a picture of my mother today, and my mother wore bobby socks. <laughs> Do you know even know what that means? No. <laughs> little white bobby socks, like little... Oh, with the frills? It's the 50s thing. It's, they were white, and she wore them with her sneakers. And I saw this picture, and it's just like my heart, because I remember as a young girl thinking, Mom, those socks. <laughs> anyway, but she liked those socks. It was a 1950s thing mm -hmm. that was fashionable. Not so fashionable. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> we'll but probably come back because I saw it, and I thought, that's my mom. I love mm -hmm. those socks. I love that smile. I love everything about it. But everything that my mother was, I like to think that I embody mm. or try to embody. I would want to make her proud every day because that's the kind of person that she was. So the loss is tremendous, but I think coping with um, loss mm. is part of life, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then again, moving through it and being a better person because of it, if you can, if that's even possible. Yeah. You know, caring for older parents is very hard, you know, because you worry about them, your anxieties as you age. I would definitely say change. Mm -hmm. Women, menopause, anxiety, it's like all hand in hand, which I would say is probably what people are most fearful of. But again, if you stay healthy, active, the symptoms of these things are far less then, you know, if you're not eating healthy, if you're eating a lot of sugar, if you're having a lot of alcohol, the symptoms that come with menopause are more intense. I have already friends that they're in their mid or late 40s and they're already in their pre-menopause. Um, my mother also got it really early on in her, uh, yeah, late 40s. Um, looks very scary. Looks like a no man's land because no one really knows how to navigate it. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of expertise in the medical field yeah, uh, that happening. has changed, yes, right? Right, right. It's right. all things that's been kind of they've been doing the same things over and over again for mm -hmm. a few years now, and it's not doing anything. Did you start your healthy lifestyle prior to? Yes, you did. Actually, before coming here, I said to my kids, "So, what would you say about me?" Hoping. <laughs> you know, anyway, they said. Healthy was first. Mm. My mother was very healthy. So I was raised very clean and home cooking, and that was natural for me. And again, back to 
you have, you're pregnant, you eat healthy, you breastfeed, you feed them well, what are you going to feed them after? And it became about that for me. So, of course, I ate healthy, so healthy and clean. Mm -hmm. And I started it from the get-go. So I took organic cooking courses, uh, vegetarian cooking courses in my tw early 20s. And that became my style of cooking. A few of my kids have allergies, so I learned a little bit more. I had children that were a little bit chubbier than the norm. Mm -hmm. And I loved every bit of how they were. And I was really so driven on making them feel good in their skin so that they wouldn't be aware that they may be different than the skinny, scrawny person next to them. Mm -hmm. So everything about my whole style of cooking and feeding became about eating healthy and helping them love food that fueled them at the same time, helping them love food mm -hmm. and, and, and letting it be a really great experience. And I think I really did that. I think they would say that uh, they all love healthy food and they all have good body images. That's amazing. Think of my parenting style during most of my years. I was driven to exercise every day, mm -hmm. eat healthy every day and fuel my body and in hopes that it would be something that my children would also adopt. And is yoga also something that you've been practicing for many, many years, or it's something that happened kind of more recent for you? I would say more recent, but now it's um, 20 years. <laughs> so that's what happens. I remember when I was running marathons and somebody said, how long have you been running marathons? I was uh, younger than you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think about nine years. And they said, uh, oh, that's not that long. Anyway, and then it got to 20 years. And at 20 years of sort of running, I got into yoga mm -hmm. because I had an injury with my running. And when I got into yoga, I realized I couldn't touch my toes and I couldn't, I couldn't bend. And I thought I need to be able to move my body because I'm only 42 or whatever I was at the time or 40. So I was determined and I went to seniors yoga and all these seniors like me now were doing all these things that I couldn't do. Mm. And I was determined that this was a lifestyle that I wanted to be a part of. And my mother practiced yoga. My grandmother practiced yoga. Oh, wow. My grandmother taught meditation. So I had a bit of a root that I felt that was in me. Your grandmother taught yoga? No, my meditation. grandma taught meditation. Meditation. Yeah, she was... She was a spiritual teacher of sorts. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I had that in me and that drive to, okay, this is how I was raised. I've been living this sort of fast-paced, kids running, running, running. And people would say to me, what are you running from? Because I'd go out for 10 miles every day. <laughs> That's my sanity. <laughs> that run was my sanity. And I'm sure you know what that means yeah. when, when you get away and you just run and your brain goes clear and the fresh air and everything else. But then I could come home and be in the chaos of my kids. Mm. Definitely the yoga helped change a lot in my life because with the yoga became this living in my truth and being who I am. And it's like, who am I? Like you said, that transition at 40 when I saw myself. I'm the mother of all these kids and I'm so proud of that. But who am I really? I'm a wife and I'm a mother and I just felt like I didn't fulfill something within that journey that I'm on. I, I felt like my parents gave me a lot as far as education, but I hadn't fulfilled that. And I felt like I needed to Something was do still... more. Mm -hmm. I felt like what I'd started, I hadn't completed. 
And then this sort of all has evolved. And I feel like I'm on that, still that same journey that I'm not sure where it's going. It's like a flower that's blooming and I'm completing whatever that mission is that I'm hopefully not completing it, but working towards that. That's so exciting to me because I think that there's this notion and there's a lot of cliches around getting older. And there's even, you know, very common sayings where like you can't teach an old dog new, new tricks, tricks and things yeah. like that. Things mm. that we say without even thinking yeah. that really contribute to that limiting thought that we have about aging. Absolutely. Do you have any cliches or anything oh, you dear. can think of that you're just like, ugh, <sighs> you grew up hearing and that's what you thought oh, aging God, would look no, like? No, no. I'm a very cliched person. So the only thing that came to me, old Fords never die. They just go faster or something like that, or they just get better. And it's like, you know what? We all have the potential in us to get Mm -hmm. better as we age too, because we can keep learning. Mm -hmm. And as you said about in the old world, people of my age are looked up to in a sense Mm -hmm. by the younger people, people of my parents' age are really looked up to and admired because with age, we have the potential to offer so much. Mm-hmm. Even in storytelling, I love listening to my father and my father-in-law tell stories about their past and being raised, you know, by immigrants to Canada and what it was like, you know, in the Great Depression. And we don't have quite the same stories because our lives became more chaotic. Mm-hmm. I could have been on a farm with my kids milking cows. I was up at six. I was, you know, doing all, I could have been doing, working a farm and having a really simple life. And I wouldn't have been so chaotic. Maybe, but I probably would have been because I think if you're caring for the land, you're still. Oh yeah. There's so much. There's still work that goes into it. I follow so many of those families. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy, right? So I think no matter what, where you're at, Mm -hmm. if you don't overthink it, and you live it, and you put value on it and appreciate it, like what I see you doing, I think that you move through it. And don't overthink what was behind you, and don't overthink what's ahead of you. Just, you know, mm-hmm. mind you, you have to plan ahead, I guess. That's responsible. To but. an extent. I feel like after COVID, I think that this idea of planning and the illusion of control that we all had, that really helped to kind of break it down. Yeah. As just understanding that the world can change in a second. Yeah. It feels very liberating to live like in that state of mind now. I think all of us now are trying to really focus on being present as a collective. Yes. Because everything is moving so fast around us. Absolutely. But to me, it's so exhilarating as a woman thinking about all these evolutions and all these new parts of my identity that I'm discovering with every decade. Yeah. My 20s, although I was the first one among all my friends to have children, (laughs) which maybe was similar for you too, I don't know, back then. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming a mother that age. And then at 30, I feel like there was also a big shift of just like, oh, I'm I'm a woman now. There was something weird that was happening. I'm like, I'm not a kid anymore. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how that's going to look like in 40 and 50. Mm-hmm. If you think back, do you recall those shifts or you feel like you didn't have the time to really I think it's them? interesting that you say that because I would say in my generation hitting 30, you do go through that. But I think what we did, and I might be wrong, there are maybe people out there that didn't. And there are probably are people that I really admire that always stayed true to themselves and their style and their fashion sense. They never thought, oh, I have to dress a certain way. I have to act a certain way. I would say within my community 
and how I was, I definitely thought I can't wear my hair a certain way. I I need to dress a certain way. When I hit 40, I was like, what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> Why did I wear that? I mean, I think we all go through that, but yeah. not, I think my generation was really hit with the, you know, the shoulder pads, suits, prissy, prissy sort of look that women had to wear. I think that now we're jeans, t-shirts, mm. feel comfortable in your skin, wear what feels right for you. So much more freedom Don't, to decide. So much more freedom. Mm. Flowers, plaids, whatever you want to mix. And it looks good if you're confident, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's the highest end or the lowest end. Mm -hmm. It's the confidence that comes through. I'm hoping that's kind of where fashion is is going. You know, obviously it's going to go through cycles and, and things will change. But if I could go back and shake myself up a little bit in my 30s, mm -hmm. that would probably be the age that I would say I was so intent on doing the kid thing, thought I was a lot older than I really was. But I didn't have time to think about it. I think that's that's yeah, a lot when of you're in, when you're in it, it's a whole other thing. And speaking of fashion, I'm so curious to hear about the beauty standards. Everybody had the fair faucet flip. I know I said recently <laughs> that was my hair icon, but she had great hair. Yeah. And it went like that naturally. So it was like cookie cutter, which is why that thin or fat or tall or short, mm -hmm. you all wanted, if you were in that perfect mold, you were it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that was always, always definitely there. You know, walking in the right dress, the right shoes, the right brand because we didn't have the variety. I know from talking to my mom from what she did, because she was very, very passionate about fashion, and that sort of Jackie Onassis look was big for her, if you want to say. She wore a corset. My mother was tiny like you, you know, she... Wow. It, it, not when I was around. Yeah, you know, before. Before me, because that was the thing. <sighs> Suck it all in and no ounce, not an ounce of fat. So they really sacrificed in that generation. Our generation sort of became a little more flexible. And I think that sort of rocker edge mm -hmm. that came out, maybe flew off the punk and grunge look. And all of a sudden we came, I was like, okay, we can shake it up a little bit. We can do that. We can wear that. And businesses opened up that were all about denims. And that became, yeah, I can wear jeans. I don't have to wear dress pants. I mean, why am I dressing this way? I don't even work, you know, at that point <laughs> in my life. And we felt that it was what we had to do. Yeah, I feel like so many, we take it for granted the amount of exposure and access that we have to see people from every walk of life around the world. Like you you find yourself in so many different people and you can really find your style through yeah. that exposure as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And I love looking at, as you said, like all around the world, mm -hmm. all the people that I follow or try to find, it's like, oh my God, look how she's mixed that top with those pants, breaking that mold of just a white collared shirt with, you know, khaki pants, which is what the uniform was here for a long time. You know, it does, mm -hmm. now that's a uniform for kids to go to school and, you know, it's not how we dress every day. Uniqueness, diversity, self-expression, being artistic has become a thing. Mm -hmm. has become the thing that we all want to be. We all want to be ourselves. Because when when we're ourselves, when we show our true colors, I think we're happiest. And it, going back to parenting, I think that when you allow your children to be who they are rather than cookie cut and mold, that's when you have joy. And, you know, that's what I guess I see with you and your children. I see these kids that are just playful. They're not fearful. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure they still are, though. I think a little bit of fear is always good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you don't want to lose control over yeah. that. That's something that actually hit me a couple of months ago. We were in the car with my my friend, and she was asking me. She also has small kids. We came out of lunch. We were with the kids, and I was just watching my kids, and they're so open and express themselves and their minds and just don't feel the need to do things just because even when I tell them to do something and if it's not aligned with them, they'll be like, I actually don't feel this way. You know, yeah. like they're so open. Mm -hmm. I think it was the first time in my life where I looked at my friend and I'm like, you know what? I'm a really good mom. And it made me oh. cry oh. because I don't think I've ever done that. Oh, I've never said so that nice. to myself. Oh. Being a mother during those times, was that something people would vocalize or did it's, you would tell yourself? I think that in me, I always felt a little bit of, hmm, what's the word? Inferiority mm. towards working women, towards career women, because I was so passionate about what I was doing. And it felt a little like I wasn't doing enough, that I wasn't smart enough or competent enough, but I felt so good about what I was doing. And now when I see my children... And I see what they are, and 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 they're good people. When I see it, it it makes me really. Uh, there's a Jewish word, kvel. I don't know if mm -hmm. you know that word, but I really kvel. I gush. I I'm proud. I think every ounce of whatever I did, mm -hmm. and what my husband did. I'm sorry. What my what, what we did was for the for the right reasons. I guess I looked at myself and I said, Yeah, I did okay. You know, I think. Again, they're just really good kids. Yeah, mm -hmm. they did crazy things. Yes, they told me everything. One of my daughters said, when I asked her, what do you have to say about me? And she said, well, I told you too much. I know that because <laughs> one day she told me something that I kind of looked at her and I said, did you have to share that with me? And she said, but you told me to tell you everything. And I was like, oh, God, what have I, what have I created here? But now we look back and we think, thank God she told me everything, you know, mm -hmm. because that's what we always were. And it's still that way. And I'm not about being a helicopter parent because I really wanted them to experience. And the hardest day for me is probably sending them off to university. That's uh, when you go through all of this and then all of a sudden they're gone and it's their time now. And then at this stage of my life, I realize you give your kids wings, you help them plant their roots, and you help them be um, become good people. You have to be so self-aware and in tune to know when it's time to step back. Mm. Because they're, we can always say, well, they need a bit more, and mm -hmm. we need to make sure that it's, it's very easy, especially now, to continue finding reasons to stick by, and then we're, in a way, robbing them from their experiences. Right. Did you prepare yourself to even, like, the empty nesting, the how is it going to look like? You know, I think that that's an interesting thing, too, because I my sister sent me, I think it was my sister sent me an Instagram post yesterday of, with a girl, you know, our, our ages, a mother mm -hmm. and daughter. And the mother said, we didn't have Google. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have the wherewithal other than a support group, you know, a mother's support group to really share things, to get information from. So no, I didn't prepare myself because 
there was no way to prepare in my idea. I mean, there were books or there's self-help books. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that you could read, but reading about the emptiness sounded kind of depressing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, there's good things that come with it, but yeah, no, I didn't prepare myself for any of it. But then sometimes I think in life when we over-prepare, yeah. it just messes everything up. Mm-hmm. You know, don't th- don't overthink anything because again, this too shall pass, right? Mm-hmm. When you get when you have a baby, like we didn't know. I didn't I didn't have what you guys have. I couldn't Google when they had a rash. I mean, thank God, because mm, this whole Googling, every single thing, you just you think it's the end of the world. Yeah. Again, too much information, it can also be a huge contributor to anxiety. You mentioned that you got married at a very young age. You met your husband. How old were you? Okay, so that's a really exciting question for me today, because today is my 40th anniversary. I know. <laughs> so why am I here huge. on my 40th anniversary? Well, we've been married 40 years. What can I say? Um, I graduated from university, and a month later I got married, and I was 21. I just turned 21, and I had my son at 23. We were high school same sweethearts. Thing. We So the same thing. Yeah. And then I had three kids before 29. My third at 29, and my fourth was four years later. So 40 years, that's a huge milestone. Huge. Huge. It's huge. (laughs) I'm just processing 40 years. It's huge. It's huge. It's wonderful. It's commitment. It's dedication. It's sacrifices. There's a lot that goes into that. That's a whole podcast. (laughs) Yeah. No, but there's a lot. There is. What does your perspective on marriage evolve as you and your husband grew older? Like, did it change from what you thought about before? Again, I think that nothing's glamorous, really, mm. you know, and I think that that's where things can go wrong. I shouldn't say nothing. It's There's a lot of glamour and there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of fun, but there's a lot of effort and there's a lot of trust and respect and uh, gratitude for each other mm-hmm. and understanding the spaces that we're in, why we're going through, what we're going through. And, you know, you have to be conscious. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware of each other. And and uh, often you're just flying bus- by each other yeah. in the daytime, especially when your lives are busy with kids. And I think that expectations are, we need more. You know, the picture of the happy couple is not necessarily what the happy couple look like every day, mm-hmm. you know, and... So I think it's, you know, we de- we had great roots because we were so young. I was only 15 when I met my husband. He was my best friend. And we talked and we talked and we talked. He always, yesterday we were reminiscing. He said, we never fought, not once for seven years. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so so we still have that moment once in a while. Yeah. But we definitely disagree and we definitely have our moments, but we're both dedicated. It's amazing to see that if we're looking at what's presented to us in movies and shows I think maybe from maybe there's one or two Jack Nicholson or Diane Keaton movies that showcase marriage after you know the honeymoon and kind of the first initial phase but you don't really get inside you don't really see inside marriage that spans through so So, so many years to me what's interesting is how the communication changes with the phases of life. I'm even, and we talked about it with my husband um, a couple of months ago, I told him, you know, I don't feel like I'm the person that 
you married. Like the essence is there, yes. but I feel like I've already changed yeah. probably three times. Hopefully. And you know, yeah, hopefully, that's, exactly. That's it, you know? And it's going to continue to change. Yeah. So how do you, uh, from your experience, how do you learn how to adapt that communication with these life stages? I think it goes again back to the roots. Your values being the same. Mm-hmm. So if your values are the same, you're looking for, you know, you're supporting your community. That's always something that you've done, say, or you're supporting your children. That's, that's a union together. So everything that you're doing, as long as you're on the same paths, it's always going to be that way, whether you're evolving or not. You know what I mean? Mm. I think we have to evolve to be interesting, you Mm -hmm. know, because I, and share those, you know, evolutions with our spouses. To me, I think commitment is, you mentioned it a couple of times and it truly, that's what it is because you have to, commitment will allow you to be patient, to go through the lows. Yeah. And and I think grass is always greener on the other side, Mm -hmm. unless you're in a situation that is intolerable. You know, I mean, there are situations like that and I understand that. I was fortunate that I met who I met and, and I guess he was too. So, uh, you know, we're committed and, uh, and it feels good. And our commitment is, is crucial for, for both of us, you know, to realize. And I I think now though, as women, it's different, it's gotta be different. And there has to be so much respect and understanding on both parts. A lot of respect and understanding. Um, a lot of, therapy for both parties separately and together. Um, It's very interesting how now the younger generation approaches getting into a relationship. There's no clear kind of jobs anymore. You know, there's no clear understanding of this is what I do and this is what I do. You have to kind of build a contract, renegotiate it a few every couple of years right. to make sure that you guys are still the same. Because right. again, with the career and the ch- everything just looks so different right. these right. days. For and sure. you have, you welcomed your first grandchild? I have seven. Hmm. Wait, what? I have seven grandchildren. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, How old is the oldest? The oldest is almost eight. Or almost eight. Well, he'll be eight in a couple of months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so watching your, is it your daughter? That has I, my the son age has three children. Yeah. And then my two of my daughters have two girls. So watching them parent and move in the world the way it is today compared to how you moved in the world the way it used to be. My girls are stay-at-home moms, work-from-home moms. Mm-hmm. So how they do the juggle is very interesting. We had a lot of lockdown during COVID, as you know. So we had a bit of a slower period and parenting at home was different and they're they're now out of that, thank goodness. And uh, it's a juggle. And I think social media has an effect on how they parent sometimes. And, and In what or way? Takes, I think the expectations greater. So their disappointment mm. sometimes in things that go on in their families might be based on what they see on social media. Maybe not my children or other people's children. P- younger parents, I think, are influenced by what they see. <laughs> because when people make their houses look perfect and people make their children look perfect... It makes you feel inferior. But I think that we always have that. Before Instagram, we had parents that made it look easier than kind of looking at them. How did they do that? You know, I think that that's, that's always been uh, a case. So watching my parent and my children parent is a very exciting thing. And this past week, I watched my eldest daughter ski with her daughter 
on fake snow in Montremble, and that may have been one of the highlights of my whole parenting because watching my granddaughter ski with my daughter, who I skied with, is mm-hmm. like full circle of just pure joy. And uh, you know, I think that that's what we see in in our grandchildren is a joy that's way better than, oh, than yeah. parenting. Oh, this is actually something that I uh, was very curious about. As my kids getting older, building those strong bonds is something that extremely important to me because mm-hmm. I know they're going to go through we're approaching teenage years soon. So what do you have any strategies that you use to build that strong connection, um, especially during the teenage years? I think from the get-go, as I said earlier, I think it's so important to keep communication open. Home is a safe place. My home was a place where everybody's kids could come over. My my house was the sleepover house. I was the dri- designated driver. You know, they went to parties. They could call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I just made myself available because I wanted to keep them safe, and it was my way of doing that, I suppose. But at the same time, I, I wasn't invasive. Mm. You know, so I just opened up conversation. I talk, I love talking. So, so whether we were talking about what was going on at school, if there was bullying in school, why was it going on? How did you feel about that? You know, always letting them know that they could share stories of things that went on at school that they weren't comfortable with. I would say I'm a highly empathetic person. I feel for everybody and I hate it when someone's getting treated badly. Mm -hmm. And I would say my kids feel the same. So I really wanted them to always feel that way within the classroom and with their peers and and just be a team building. You know, it was always sort of in that conversation, it was always about building them up, but at the same time, letting them know that they could do that in the world, you know, that they Mm -hmm. could always, and and so communication was always there that, uh, and I think that that's truly key. I went to a uh, conference when I was a very young mom baby babies and toddlers and and the speaker talked about how to talk so your kids will listen and listen so your kids will talk your kids might dye their hair red hair gross other stuff not so much so teach your kids you don't have to tell your kids how to feel they'll learn how to feel if you talk to them about feelings and mm-hmm. you know it's kind of a no-brainer right we we think we have to know more but it it just happens when you open it up and have conversation were you a strict parent or was your husband was more of a the strict presence? That's I don't think either of us were terribly strict. I think that we were very lucky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as far as curfews or whatever, my girls were competitive dancers. My, my son uh, skied. My girls skied competitively as well. So I kept them busy at good things. Mm-hmm. to keep them out of trouble a lot. So as far as rules, like they weren't going to malls shopping. They were dancing and uh, doing homework. I didn't have strict homework rules. Maybe I could have. Sorry, kids. You know, it's <laughs> like, because to me, education is really important, but the whole package was really important. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted them to be well-rounded. And, uh, you know, that's even in choosing universities and choosing programs with them. It was about the bigger picture of of being well-rounded, mm-hmm. not trying to funnel them. I just, and I think I did that. I think uh, 
I did that okay. And they do tell me everything still. Um, I love and that. That's, and that's good. Yeah. I, I feel like keeping good. them busy is uh, one thing that never changed throughout the years. Absolutely. For everyone. Absolutely. Responsibilities, chores, making them feel a part. Yeah. Going back to talking about the shifting of the mindset when it comes to aging, is there any um, strategies for cultivating a positive attitude? Because I do think that that's something that we're, you know, the younger generation is looking for. Um, even now, I think that there's less terms like anti-aging and things like right. that. It's slowly changing. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, <laughs> yes. Is there any strategies that you've used to just feel grateful? Obviously, mindfulness, you know, all the words that we use now, mm -hmm. living in the present moment. But, but the reality is, just feeling grateful and waking up every morning and saying, I've got something to do, even if it's just go for the walk. Mm -hmm. Don't stay in bed. Don't, don't lollygag around. Don't overthink because when you overthink, that's when you get caught in something that you don't mm -hmm. want to. Those should haves, could haves. Just get up and go. And, and when you're going, what you can do to make your day a positive one. You know, I walk I run, I hike, I'm active every single day. Mm -hmm. If I didn't, I would not be so happy. There are people that are definitely not the same. You know, people say they don't have that ability to practice positivity the same. It's it's more work, and I respect that. But at the same time, I think we all have the ability to sink into something that's not so nice if we allow ourselves. So I think with aging, when you get up and go and you remain positive, I know all my People that I follow that are older, that's what they do. So it's like if they're doing it and they look that good and they feel that good, then I'm going to keep doing it because I want to be that way too. And I don't know if you follow Dan Butner and the yes. Blue Zone. Okay, so everything about what he says they do in those communities mm -hmm. is what I sort of do in my life and have always done in my life and have raised my kids to be like. And I think that, you know, respecting elders, I don't mean making people out to be gods that they're not, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that we just need to appreciate everybody in our lives, the young, the old, every age has a value and uh, not overthink it. Just have fun while we're doing it, you know, obviously being responsible. Mm -hmm. And the responsibilities are not always fun, but making life around that fun, making going to work fun so that when you come home, you can have more fun. Well, Lynn, I am very inspired and aspiring to have that lightness of being that you carry around yourself because oh. you truly move with such ease and grace. Thank and you. I'm sure that it is work and it is something that, you know, you cultivate and work on every single day. But um, I'm just really excited for you to continue sharing your story. Thank you. And your light and uh, inspiring other women like you've inspired me. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, I, I feel the same and I'm, I'm honored to be here. And you are such a beacon of light. You are very unique for your generation, if I can say this, because... You are a young mom, and most of your friends are probably just having babies now. Mm -hmm. So even navigating that would have been hard, I'm sure, because you were alone. Was your mother really supportive during that time, or was she? My here? mother was also a very young mom. Oh, okay. So I think that she understood my struggle, but it was a different generation. But she was there. 
yeah. lot. Um, I think that a lot of kind of my identity crisis came from just not having um, other people around me that were experiencing the same thing. So I had no for one sure. to talk to. For sure. Yeah, um, was the same. So it was a very interesting journey. Yeah. But wow. I also think that it made me realize and pay attention and seek people like you, right. you know, people out in the world that yeah. I can really draw that wisdom from. Yeah. So yeah. you saying that, that's why I fell in love with you because I saw this person that I assumed was really on a path by herself for so many of those years at the beginning. And it is a lonely path in some ways because you don't have anyone to share that with. But when you make that connection with people, mm. that's the gift. So all those other moms out there now that are reaching out to you and saying, ah, oh, thank you for putting it out there. You're not alone, you know, and, and we're not because the journey is women supporting women out there. So it's really, or parents. Anyway, thank you, so thank you. Thank you. So it's wonderful. a treat. It's really a treat. appreciate it. Where can our listeners find you? On Instagram at White Hair Wisdom, and mm -hmm. uh, and I have a email address there, so people can reach me that way. But uh, yeah, and I try to share and I try to talk as much as I can. But I really try to create a lot on my own, just because mm -hmm. it's been about being honest and true, and and that's. So I who knows you. where you'll find me. <laughs> I see you everywhere now. Yeah, you're modeling. Yeah. You are. You're doing so much, and you're bringing such a great representation throughout, like the fashion and beauty. And I just hope it's going to continue. Thank you. I just hope people aren't afraid of aging because it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, you know. It's and that's the way we have to look at it. But but today is the most important day. So let's just yes. live today and enjoy it. Right? Yes. Anyway. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't miss my newest episode right here. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, please go and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. I love reading your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, you can leave them in the comment section. And always, always remember, you are not alone.